Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. In this room, who in this room believes in miracles? Who believes that the name of Jesus is more powerful than anything in heaven or earth or under the earth? If you do, make some noise this morning in church. I think when people start praising the Lord and people start honoring God, it just does something to the atmosphere. I think when people start singing and worshiping and, and you get music playing that, that lifts up the name of Jesus, you start believing for more. You know, this is interesting because like the last couple of days, my family got back last week from a, a trip that we went on and on my way back, uh, Amy was driving for a little bit and I started working on this playlist for my kids so they could hear like my favorite songs like ever. I want to do like a top 50 list of, of my favorite songs ever. And you know, I was a music producer for many years and I've, I love a lot of pop music that's out there. I grew up listening to a lot of styles of music. So I'm making this list and it goes from 50 to 1,475. So it's like, it, go, it goes, to, and I'm talking like every song, like any, any great song that I consider like a 10. So I'm, I'm going like old school. I've got Marvin Gaye, like the OJs, Stevie Wonder, the Eagles, Prince, Michael Jackson, Michael McDonald, Doobie Brothers, like everything that you can imagine, every genre. There's like disco, rock. So I'm listening to all these songs. So then I, I put this list on, uh, on shuffle just to show everyone that no matter what, song that you hit it's a banger like you got to make sure that like no matter which one you go to you know that it's a hot song so we're listening to all these songs i've been listening to it for like the last week i will tell you something in all of the songs that i put on that list not one single moment happened like the moment that just happened right now when we were lifting up the name of jesus i don't care how good the song is when the holy spirit is in a moment he creates an atmosphere for miracles and i believe there's an atmosphere for the miraculous today you need to look at three or four people around you today and say god is about to move in your life today stir somebody's faith up today i'm going to ask you we're going to sing this again by the way i'm going to ask you in each section I'm going to ask somebody that maybe normally wouldn't do this, but I'm going to ask that in each section, so like this section, this section, this section, this section, I want to ask like one or two people that maybe normally wouldn't do this, that if you're in that section, each section, and God has done a miracle for you at some point in your life that you know it was a miracle, I'm going to ask you to come down to the front of your section and just stand there for a moment. We're going to sing this song again. And I believe, just step out in faith and come on down in each section. Someone, this section, this section, this section. Just come down to the front and stand facing the audience because I want everyone in each section to see that God is in the miracle working business. He, these are people that are saying God has done a miracle in my life and they're standing here as a testimony of faith to every person in that section that needs a miracle today now hold on we can't have every single person in the church come down we'll have, we'll have everyone up here and no one left and I actually believe that some miracles are going to happen down here but when we sing this again today you look at all these people that God has moved in their life and you tell me he can't do it again his name is Jesus it's the name that is above every other name as we sing this song. Lift your hands. Lift your voice to heaven. Come on and let's see the miraculous today. Come on. Sing. 
seats and I feel some people up in the front got another miracle today touch somebody on the way back to your seat and say I'm living in the miracle right now amen praise the Lord well welcome those of you that are watching online to City of Life Church yo this place is in fuego este mañana I met some guys um, I was I was dropping my son off my Spanish is so malo. I, I need some help. I met these two guys that were uh, that were it, at this uh, the collision center. My son was getting his car fixed, and so I was driving around. And I saw this little place that they were building this this area, and I was just kind of checking into it a little bit. And these two guys were there that neither of them spoke English. They might be here today. I hope they're here. But um, I started talking to them, kind of young guys, and they were both so cool. You ever just met someone and like, you don't speak the same language, but like your spirit speaks the same language. That's how these dudes were. They were so cool. And I, I was like, I was like, oh, you speak, he's like, lo, lo siento, no habla un, un poquito inglés. He's like, I don't speak nothing, man. He's like, he's like, he's, he's telling me I speak nothing, zero. I was like, okay. I was like, yo soy un pastor de una iglesia uh, y hay muchas personas en mi iglesia que habla español. Uh, uh, he's like, ah. Oh. He's like, I like you. He, I was like, yeah. And it, so his friend comes over and we just start talking for a second. And they're like, he's like, give me your phone number right now. I was like, uh, okay. Uh, but I gave him my number and uh told him about the city of life and we just started talking for a second and it was just so fun to uh to kind of connect and I I, I want to be the kind of person that no matter where I am or what I'm doing I'm trying to share the love of Jesus with people and I just want to encourage you today I don't have all the tools to have a full conversation with someone but I want to connect with someone no matter who they are. You may not feel like you're ready for the task or the assignment that God has sent you to do. You may not be completely ready, but just take what you have and do the best with what you have today. You, we're, we're all a work in progress. Look at someone next to you and say, you're not completely done yet. Look at them and say, honestly, you need to be put back in the oven for a little while. <laughs> just <laughs> but you know what? I like cookies that are not overcooked. I like them when they're a little undercooked. So there, there's, there's a power to not being completely all there yet. We don't ever want to reach a place in our life where we feel like we've got everything figured out, but we want to live on that edge of vulnerability. So take what you've got, put your hand on your heart and say, I'm going to take what I've got. 
today, and I'm going to use it for Jesus. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? Amen. Take what you have today and use it for the Lord, because he sure does love you. Well, we're in week two of a new series that we kicked off called FAQ. Last week, I talked about uh, some, uh, uh, we're looking at questions that people have in life, tough questions. And one of the questions is, what happens when I die? And you say, well, no one can know that. Um, and I understand why someone says that, uh, that no one can know. Um, because I guess what they're saying experientially, you, you'll have to be there in order to fully know. And you wouldn't be able to talk to people uh, that are still living about what it's like. And I understand the idea, but we have this amazing book um, that Jesus wrote and the Holy Spirit wrote. It's called the Bible. And in this book, we find out the way that we can be saved. And not only does it tell us how we can be saved by putting our faith in Christ, but that same book that tells us that by putting our faith in Christ and confessing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and believing our, in our heart that God raised him from the dead and that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The same book that tells us that gives us direct answers that are not really left up to interpretation about what happens when we breathe our last breath. So we can know with absolute certainty you say, well, why is it important for you to talk about this on a Sunday morning? Because I think it's really important that as Christians, we don't have wacky belief systems when it comes to some of the most important stuff, like where are we going? <laughs> where are Christians going when they die? Is it the same place as everyone else? Or is it different? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? I've heard people say, Christians say, well, I just don't really believe in hell. And no one calls them out on that. No, he says, I just don't believe that there's a place of eternal suffering. And just like, you act like that's just something that you can just say, well, I just don't really like, you know, pasta. And you go, okay, well, I can still be friends with you. You don't like pasta. I like pasta. You don't like pasta. We're both, you know, buddies. We just won't go to an Italian restaurant. It's not like that. You're going to go to one of two places. One is called heaven. And it's a place that's going to have eternal joy. It's a place where we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. And then there's another place called hell, and that's for people that do not accept Christ. They do not know Jesus. You say, man, I thought this was a church that was supposed to make me feel good. I think that should make you feel good to know that there is an open invitation for anyone. The Bible said, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. It means no matter what you look like, no matter where you're from, no matter what your status is in life, it doesn't matter call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. Saved from what? Have you ever thought about that? What does being saved mean? How can someone believe that you can be saved and go to heaven and not believe in hell? It doesn't even make sense rationally. If you believe in heaven that you're saved, what are you saved from? If there's no hell, you're saved from God's wrath. It's really important as Christians that we get this straight. You say, well, I'm compassionate. Really, more compassionate than God? Interesting. I don't recall your name being mentioned in the Bible <laughs> because he's the one that's compassionate. He's the one that's grace-filled. He's the one that's merciful. We gotta be careful that we don't consider ourselves more compassionate than God. It is compassionate. This is gonna sound harsh, but it is compassionate that God protects 
his children in heaven from people who will eternally reject him. That would be harmful. It's compassionate of him to protect the ones that he loves by creating an eternal separation from ones that would continue to blaspheme, blaspheme and dishonor the name of God throughout eternity because everyone in hell is not sent there. They choose to go there for eternally rejecting God, for the refusal to humble themselves before the living God and to honor him and to worship him and to call on Jesus' name. There will be not one single person in hell for eternity that will say, I'm sorry. No, no, no. They'll say, get me out of here. Why, why am I here? I, I don't want to be here. They won't say, Jesus, forgive me. No one will ever humble themselves. If they won't do it here on earth, they won't do it in hell. So you have to understand, our series uh, on FAQ is asking tough questions. I feel like it's a tough question. This is a series that we chose to do right after Easter. I mean, I met so many new people today at the back door. There's like my first time in church today. I'm like, will you please come back next week? It's not always this heavy. Uh, sometimes we do talk about some fun stuff. I think this is a fun conversation, though, because it builds a proper thought process about what we're looking forward to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 10 says this. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, showing that we have a life here, that the Bible's calling away from the Lord in the sense that we're not physically in his presence while we're temporary, temporarily here on this planet. But when we die, we go and we're in his presence. It says, uh, we would prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Look at the person next to you and say, you look great today. Say, thank you for getting that nice outfit on. But tell them, say, you are going to the judgment seat of Christ someday. <laughs> That's not mean. Actually, you better hope you go to the judgment seat of Christ. Because the other one is called the great white throne judgment. And there is no getting out of that one. That is a judgment for sin. And, the, and everyone who goes to that will never get the opportunity to see Jesus. So I'm going to pray today. We'll get into the rest of our series called FAQ, What Happens When I Die, Part 2. Thank you, Jesus for your presence. Thank you for these miracles that took place here today. We ask that you would continue to be with us, people that are watching online. Touch them, Lord. Give them a great experience today in reading your word and getting to know you better. Give us all a great revelation and confidence in the assurance that we have uh, in knowing that you love us and we're yours forever and you have things for us in store that we can never even imagine. They're so much better than we can imagine. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Psalm 1830 says that God is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He's a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Deuteronomy 32 says he is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. First uh, John 1 5 says this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Praise the Lord. First uh, John chapter 4 verse 8 says anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 10 says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now that's important for me to read those scriptures because these scriptures teach us that we have a holy God that is blameless. His way is right. 
Now, I want you to do something that's really hard and look at the person next to you and say, I always like doing things your way. Oh, I know, you can do it. Come on, just try it one time. <laughs> try it one time. I, some of you can't even do it for the, for, even for the sake of, you can't even do it in church just for fun. It's hard, I know, I get you. Luckily, I'm the preacher. I didn't have to do it myself. <laughs> no, I always like doing things your way, honey. Uh, she was looking on her phone. She wasn't even looking at me. She didn't even get to enjoy the moment there. Uh, it's hard to even say that. I like doing things your way. But in all honesty, as believers, that's what we have to learn how to do. We have to learn how to say, God, it is your way that's important and not my way. It seems like we're always fighting in life to get our way. We want our way in everything. But when it comes to God, his way is superior to our way in every conceivable aspect that we can come up with. And that's hard for us to grasp that his way is right. Like we have this thing that we have called fairness. We have this thing that we go by. That's not fair. We come up with this system called fairness. Can I tell you that fairness is not even a biblical virtue? If that sounds offensive to you, I'm sorry. But it's really not. You can go through the Bible. The Bible doesn't deal with fair. And I'll just be straight with you. You don't want fair. Because mercy is not fair. The mercy that God gives us is not fair. Be careful when you say, I hope they get what they deserve. Do you want what you deserve? Or do you just want other people to get what they deserve? Because the bottom line is if we got what we deserved, I have a hard time, you know, I have a hard time sometimes as, as a pastor who, who has the, the, the privilege of being able to preach and, you know, lead people in the things of God. I have a hard time sometimes feeling worthy. I know I'm not worthy. I struggle um, a lot. You know, feel, I look at someone like my dad who uh, I grew up, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, you know, he'd be standing over my bed like this. And I was like, oh, you know, like you get freaked out. It's like, you, th- you feel like it's like, you know, like the Blair Witch Project or something. Like someone's like, put yeah. and, then, and like at, over the years as you realize this guy is like praying in tongues for me like all night. Like every time I wake up, he's like over my bed. I, I remember being, you know, six years old. He'll preach. He's going to write songs that will change the world. He's a man of God. And, and, I was, and, and it scares you when you're a little kid, but then you're like, oh, hey, Dad. You know, and you go back to sleep. <laughs> you just get used to the fact that this is the life that this man lives. Like, you could go over to my dad's house tonight at 10 p.m., and you'll see this 74-year-old man with his hands up over his head, walking and pacing back and forth. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you break every stronghold off every person at City of Life. No matter who it is, God, what they're dealing with, if they're sick, cancer cannot stand up against the name of Jesus. I speak life over I mean, this is, this, is, this is his life. So this is who he is. This is not a joke. This is when no one's looking. So that's, you know, when I walk out in my driveway at night, my neighbors don't like me very much, uh, you know, because I, I don't have the kind of property like that. But I walk back and forth on my street. When I, every time I walk outside at nighttime, I, I try to emulate what my dad did growing up and be that kind of man that lives that kind of life. But I struggle sometimes even, you know, imagining that God could love me enough through the things that I've been through in my life and the mistakes that I've made in my life to give me the opportunity to do something like this. So, I, 
I don't feel worthy to do the things that, that God has asked me to do. But I think that that's probably the revelation that we all get. The further we get, the closer that we get to God is we, we should constantly be in awe that he could use us. I think it, it becomes scary when we go, well, he better use me. I'm the most qualified. Uh, I know more than anybody. I, I'm, a, I'm better at that. And I think that it, the more that we know about him, we're surprised at how beautiful his mercy is towards us. We can't believe it. We don't consider it justice. We consider his mercy the biggest gift imaginable. The more we learn about it. So here's the thing is that fairness. Stop thinking of fairness as this huge thing. Because fair, fairness, mercy is not fairness. Mercy is actually non-justice. Justice was, would be for us to get what we deserve for sinning against a perfect God. But he doesn't give us justice. He gives us mercy instead. It's a really, really beautiful thing. So that's the first thing that we need to know about God. We create all these alternate belief systems about the afterlife that really do not fit whatsoever with God's view. There's the naturalistic view uh, that we just cease to exist. There's the universal view that uh, everybody wins no matter who you are or what belief system you come from, no matter what religion you are, no matter what you've done, everyone ends up in heaven. Uh, there's the reincarnation view. There's the annihilationist view, which is kind of like Seventh-day Adventists believe that, you know, bad people just cease to exist. But Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 says that doesn't that doesn't happen. It says multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. So it doesn't mean you just cease to exist. No, you're going to wake up someday and be accountable for everything that you've ever done. Have you ever had to be accountable for a mistake before? You ever had someone call you out on a mistake where lies don't work anymore? That's tough, right? Um, I remember one time, you know, when I was uh, in, in the eighth grade, I snuck off. Uh, you know, down just hanging out with some friends at nighttime. I snuck out, and, and I was hanging out with some friends. I wasn't doing anything other than just being out, and I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't doing anything other than completely disobeying my parents. Uh, and I was down the street uh, talking with some people, and I'll never forget the feeling. Somebody goes, dude, is that your dad? And I, just that, those, that, question, <laughs> that question just destroyed me. I was like, uh, I didn't know what to do. So first of all, these guys take off running, okay? Okay. Uh, I didn't know what to do, so I, like, ducked down behind this car. <laughs> and, like, I just, I just prayed that it wasn't my dad. Uh, and that maybe they were wrong about it. But as I was just uh, sitting there, I just felt something uh, over my shoulder. And my dad just stood there and just looked at me until I looked at him. And uh, he said, boy, you get your tail home right now. Uh, and I just knew at that moment I had to be, there was no lie. There was nothing I could come up with. Uh, that would convince him that I was innocent. I had to be accountable and responsible in the same way every one of us, Christians or non-Christians, will be accountable for every thought that we have ever allowed in our head. Not just the way we've acted it out. We think sometimes, you know, when we want to curse someone out and we don't, we're proud of ourselves sometimes. Uh, but if you do it in your heart, isn't that what Jesus taught us? He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I'm telling you that anyone who has even committed adultery in his heart with someone has done it already. So Jesus elevated the standards of the law. So what it's telling us is that when we stand before God someday, we will have to give an account. 
of everything that we've done in deed, in action, or thought. So, as we look into this idea of heaven and hell and the great white throne judgment that's mentioned in Revelation 20, it says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it whose face the earth and the heaven from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged from every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Eternal torment. And you're like, I thought this was like a cool church. What's going on here? This is like a really weird bait and switch, Pastor Jeff. No, no, it's not. I mean, we talk about Jesus, the whosoever of Jesus all the time. But it's really important. And, and, you know, when, even when I was looking at this, I was, I was uh, looking at some material that I had taught years ago. I, was, I felt like I taught this like a year or two years ago. And I was looking back at the material. My last message that I taught on this was like seven years ago. So it's like really important that this doesn't become something that just disappears from our thought process. But we think about this regularly so that we know what it is that we're being saved from. Matthew 10, 32, Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me, Are you disowning Jesus? Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Are you listening to this? It literally means when you reject Christ and deny Christ in front of people, He will deny you before the Father, period. This is not like Harry Potter part 8 or something. This is real. This is life. This is what we are moving toward in history. When we close our eyes, this is, and we wake up, for the very last time we close our eyes, when we wake up in the afterlife, this is what it looks like. It is a judgment. It is either a judgment for not knowing Jesus and for rejecting Jesus, in which case you can't say, I'm sorry. There is no second chance. You say, well, what kind of God, what kind of fair God would judge people for eternity based on 70 years? Well, have you ever heard of the parable of the talents? The parable of the talents is about someone who was going away, a master who was going away, and he was entrusting three of his servants with some money. To one, he gave five talents. Talents is a sum of money. It represents about $4,000. So to to one, he gave five talents, $20,000. To another, he gave two talents, that's eight grand. And to another, he gave one talent, that's $4,000. He said, I'm going away for a while. I want you to take care of my money. Okay, so let's think about that for a second. Let's think about a master who has gone away for a while and entrusted his people with something valuable. Even that word talents, I think it's a little bit more than just irony. He's given you gifts, hasn't he? He's given you some measure. It's not always exactly like the person that's sitting next to you. Sometimes it's different. But in the story, this person went away. And when he came back, the first guy, he said, what'd you do with my 20 grand? He said, I doubled it. He goes, ooh, well done. 
I'm going to bless you. So he says, how about number two? I, I, I gave you, you $8,000. What you do? He said, turn it into sixteen. He's like, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm so proud of you. How about you over here, number one, with, with the four grand? What would you do with my $4,000? Well, I, I knew that you were, you know, like, like kind of harsh about certain things. And so I just want to make sure that I didn't lose it. And, you know, I was thinking about investing in Netflix, but it dropped 40% in one week. And, you know, like everyone else, they lost money. So I thought, you know, I, I, I might as well just bury it. He says, so you buried it? Yeah, I buried it, but I got all four grand. Aren't you, aren't you proud of me too? No. Not only am I not proud of you, I'm going to cast you out into outer darkness. You're not even a part of my community anymore. Because I entrusted you with something. I expected an increase on what I gave you. And when I came back, you did nothing with it. So now you're not a part of the community anymore. You say, that's so exclusionary. Talk to God about it. It's his story. And it's a story that, that illustrates... Being judged for a long or an infinite period of time on something that has been done in a finite amount of time. That can answer the question, how could a God judge people eternally for something that's done for a finite amount of time? That is what our lives are like. If we knew the consequences. You know, I don't think there's a great analogy that I've ever come up with, but I think one would you know, be something like this. Like imagine if someone said to you, for the next 24 hours, every dollar that you can earn, every dollar that you can earn, I will multiply times a million dollars for the next 24 hours. Does that sound pretty good to anyone? So every dollar you can figure out a way to earn, someone is going to multiply it times a million dollars for the next 24 hours. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would be to go take a nap? Can you imagine how dumb it would be to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy or, or, or to binge watch like every season of, you know, Master Chef or something like that during that 24 hour period? That period is so valuable because exponentially you're receiving such an increase on what is being offered during that time and you're wasting it. You're doing absolutely nothing with it. That is every moment of our life. As believers, the way God is going to increase the, the wonderful and holy things that we do for knowing him, the way that we demonstrate his faithfulness and his goodness and let his love flow through us is going to turn into eternal rewards or eternal loss for Christians during this season of life where everything is multiplied, not times a million. <laughs> That's nothing. It's multiplied infinitely. Every good thing that you have done for the Lord will be multiplied infinitely and credited to you or lost. You will simply lose it. And likewise, people that do not know God and are in hell, who are separated from God because they did not call on the name of Jesus. And you know what? Statistically, there are many people in this room who will be in hell. Statistically. But why? You say, that, that's, that's mean, it's judgmental. Well, what it, what it is, is it's, it's using the scripture that says, it says wide is the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. So it means that most people will reject God. You say, but we're in church. Did you even know that 50% of people, according to the Barna Research Group, 50% of people that attend church only do it because the moral values jive with their heart they're not making a personal decision for christ so 
So that means statistically there are people in this room right now that are hearing this that simply are not going to hear it and believe it. You'll hear it and say, oh, you're just reading some stuff that other people said. And well, I, I hope no one feels that way today. I hope you put your faith in Jesus because this place is real hell. And punishments in hell, the same way there will be different levels of rewards in heaven, there will be de- different degrees of punishment in hell. For the, the heinous things that people have done to infringe against the good nature of God. Matthew 10.32 says, well, I read that, but Romans 2, 5, and 6 says, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you were, listen to this, you are storing against yourself, wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. I don't know if this scares you, but God will repay each person according to what they have done. And he's talking about, You're storing, by not repenting, you're storing wrath for yourself? What does that teach you? What does that show you? It shows me that I, as a Christian, need to make sure that I'm constantly living with true repentance in my life. That I'm getting sin out of my life. I'm not giving sin any hold on me. I think you got to go Taylor Swift sometimes. you got to shake it off. I think you got to shake that sin off. Just don't give it no foothold in your life. Don't give it any place to grow. When bitterness or lies or jealousy or, or lust or any of those things start taking root in your life, think about the eternal consequences of what that's costing your walk with the Lord. Don't give it any space to grow in your life. Get it right in the name of Jesus. True believers truly repent for their sins. That's that's the way you can know if someone's a true believer or not. Because a true believer will not continue in sin. A true believer will run into a a moment where they realize that that sin is an infringement against God's goodness, his mercy, his character. And your heart becomes repentant. You say, I'm sorry, God, I don't want to do that any longer. You have to be honest with yourself, too. I was talking with someone the other day. They said, well, will God accept me like I am? I said, well, God loves you on your worst day. But, and he will accept anybody like they are. But he loves you too, too much to leave you like you are. That's how, that's how the Lord is. So if we have the idea that we're going to have a relationship with God, but we're going to take everything that we want into that relationship and keep doing things that infringe against him over and over, that's not the way it works. And that's dangerous. Because biblically what it says is if you're not repentant about sin, it means you don't know Jesus. You may claim to know Jesus. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus said himself, he said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. People that thought they were Christians. They're like, man, I went to church. He's like, that's not what I told you to do. I didn't tell you, I didn't tell you you're going to come to heaven from going to church. I follow Pastor Jeff's podcast. That's what? What? I mean, this, this has nothing to do... I, I paid my tithes. That's, guys, this is, you, you cannot earn this. This is genuinely knowing Jesus. It's genuinely knowing him. Romans 2 is, is scary, but not as scary as Hebrews 10. <laughs> Verse 28 says, Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. This is, this is like building a case that if you're not paying attention to this or you're kind of in danger of falling asleep right now, please wake up just to hear this one part because this is bad. 
It says, anyone who rejected the law of Moses. So it's saying in the old days, if you, if you rejected the law of Moses, if two or three people knew that you were sinning on purpose, you were killed back then. Okay, so he says, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished now, not in the days of Moses, but now that they've got the spirit of Christ? How much more do you think they deserve to be punished who has trampled the son of God underfoot? And who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them. And who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. This is the last line. I'm reading this. This is not my words. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Guys, come on. Let's understand that we've got a God that chooses to call us his children. I don't know how many of you have kids, but I mean, he tells us in Hebrew, that same book, Hebrews chapter 4, he says, Therefore let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I've always pictured that as hopping up in his lap. That's the way I feel about God. He's given me that open invitation to be his son, to just run to him and say, Dad, I failed, I messed up, I need you. That's the kind of relationship we have. But if we don't take him up on that kind of relationship and do it through Christ, we have to experience his wrath. Guys, come on. Let's live for Jesus. Can I get an amen from anyone here today? There's like one person over here and she's on our staff. She's the only person saying amen over here. Grisel is behind me today. Thank you, Grisel. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Through 24, I'm just trying to show you that different degrees of punishment in hell. So you're, you're saying, are you saying that my wife and Hitler will be punished equally? No, I'm sorry, I'm joking. That's a bad joke. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, no, I think that's probably one of the misconceptions about hell is hell is just simply a place where everyone bad goes. They all get the same thing. Heaven is a place where everyone good goes. And you're just, you know, like sitting next to naked cherub babies on clouds playing harps and, you know, stuff like that. It's like very tranquil and in hell. And don't, have you ever met people that are like, man, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to hell and party. <laughs> Did I miss that option somewhere? <laughs> I never read about that. Like, like you can just kind of, it's like, yeah, we'll be playing you know, Highway to Hell and ACDC is going to be hot. No, that's going to be, there's no music there. <laughs> it says weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the sound. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's the worst. So I think that this scripture, and by the way, as I'm reading scripture, always check the scripture that I'm giving out. Write, write this stuff down and study this, you know. Don't just listen to me because I'm saying it. I'm reading it right from the Bible, but it's really important that you uh, grow and learn and check all this stuff. But Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 uh, says, Jesus unleashed on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had responded the least. He's like us sometimes. We get ticked off when we, when we sow seed into people who are just not, it's not, you're not reaping it. Even he got frustrated. <laughs> and listen, it says, he unleashed on them, shrugging their shoulders and going their own way. He said, doom to you, Chorazin. Doom Bethsaida, two cities that had rejected him. He said, if Tyre and Sidon, two other cities, had seen half of the powerful miracles you have seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. 
at judgment day, they'll get off easy compared to you. Then he goes to another city that's rejected. He says, in Capernaum, with all your peacock strutting, you're going to end up in the abyss. And if the people of Sodom had your chances, the city would still be around. At judgment day, they'll get off easy compared to you. What does that show you? It shows me that not everything is equal on judgment day. So when you got everyone saying, well, it's all equal, not in hell. Not according to Jesus. What he says is each person is going to pay for the degree. There will be a special place for Giants fans, and it's going to be really far away <laughs> from any water. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you guys. I love the Giants fans. I've come to... If the Giants ever go to the Super Bowl, I will wear a Giants jersey that Sunday. I will wear a Giants jersey. Just so you know that I love you. It's probably not going to happen, but I just, it's a nice thing to say at church. I had to work on my lying. All liars will have their place in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible says. So, in the last couple of minutes here, um, I hope you're getting the ideas that two different judgments for people that know Christ, that do not know Christ. What I'd like to talk about for a quick second is this thing called the judgment seat of Christ, the place where we will go. And when I say we, those that have put our faith in Jesus, the moment that we close our eyes and we wake up, we will be in this place called the judgment seat of Christ. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 tells us that in that word for judgment seat is a Greek word that's called bima. And bima was the seat that the judge would hand out medals at the Olympic Games. So it's a place of reward. So just so you know, you say, well, you've been preaching a lot of stuff. I thought I was safe. Well, l listen, Christians are not going to be condemned and receive punishments. What would be considered a punishment for a Christian is the loss of reward. So we will be eternally with God in heaven, but we will not have the same degree of reward that some people have that lived for God faithfully. So we, you're not going to be in hell, but you will not have the responsibilities. You will not be entrusted with as much from God. Whatever God's system, we read in the book of Revelation that you know, there are 24 elders at one point that John is watching them and they take their crowns off and they cast them toward Jesus in honor of him. How would they even have crowns if they had not received something from the Lord for their faithfulness? So there will be people there with no crowns. They'll be there because of the blood of Jesus in a place where there's, he's wiped every tear. People have no shame, no worry, no regret, no sin. It's going to be a wonderful place. But not everyone will have the same thing in heaven. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, for you are God's field, God's building. Someone put your hand on your heart and say, I'm a building. For by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And Paul says someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So what he's basically saying is when I, got, when I led you to Christ, Jesus was the foundation of your life. You were the building and you choose from that day forward what materials you use on that building. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick question. What kind of building do you want to be? 
What kind of materials do you want to use on the building that is your life? Do you want to build with things that last and are eternal? Or do you want to have fun right now? Because what it goes on to say is if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, those sound like pretty cool things to build with. Then it goes on to say wood, hay, and straw. His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. It basically says your life is like a house. You choose the materials that you build on it with. Every time you do something kind, every time you honor God, that you're holy the way God is holy, that you pray, that you sow seed, that you give to other people, that you refrain from saying that thing that comes to mind instantly, but you say, Lord, I submit that to you. Every time you sow those kind of seeds, you're building with gold, silver, precious stones. And what it's saying is that someday when you stand before God, the building of your life, his holiness will try it like with fire. And everything that you've chosen to build on that's temporal, when you use a bad attitude, when you choose lust over self-control, when you lie instead of telling the truth, when you choose to live with no honor instead of honor, all those things are building your life with wood, hay, and stubble. And the moment that God's presence judges you, you will lose everything that you have built. You will have nothing. Every day will have been a wasted day that you have chosen just to literally let the works of your life, it's literally like those days where he says, I got a, you got a 24-hour period, I'm going to multiply times a million dollars every dollar you earn. It's basically, you'll realize every day, instead of hustling that day, to be the kind of person that God has called you to be and to honor him and to choose to grow in the things of God. You just slept all day. You just wasted your time. You just said whatever you want. You watched whatever you want. You went whatever you want. You did whatever you wanted. You didn't even think about God. And isn't it crazy that this is real? This is the most real thing that we will ever talk about. And every person that has ever lived will be at this place for sure. And you won't be able to go back and fix anything. But yet, some of us will walk out of here and we'll just be like, oh, what's on the radio? It's like, we'll just go back into this other mode to act like it's not. This should change everything about the way we live our lives. You know, we got to press on. Paul says, Philippians 3.14, I press toward the, the goal to win the prize. You say, well, what do you think heaven's going to be like? You said it's not babies and cherubs, but what is it? The Bible says it's never into the hearts of man the good things that God has in store for those that love him, but it's been revealed to them by his Holy Spirit. So I think that we can see through what already is, God is not going to destroy all of our progress so I don't think heaven is just going to be us, us sitting around saying, I've got a new cord, listen, bring. And everyone going, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. No, that's not the way. Like, life will continue in an amazing way. There will be cities. There will be music. There will be restaurants. There will be football every Sunday. And I, I, Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's the day that there's no football. But like, there, there's going to be things that we know and we understand. There will be ideas there will be art there will be all these incredible things there will be architecture there's no there's no reason even remotely to think that god is going to stop all of the things it will be increased exponentially he will use people to do incredible new things he will give leadership responsibilities to people and by the way please don't think that well 
all these religious leaders that I know, this pastor and Pastor Jeff's gonna be doing all this up here and I'm gonna be down. Guys, there are praying grandmas in our church who will be leading cities 10 times bigger than me. I promise you right, right there, the people that we least expect are gonna be absolute warriors in heaven for the cause because God sees our hearts. He's, he doesn't go by what is on the outside. The first Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 says man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart so heaven is a place where we will continue developing and growing and conquests and pioneering new things and Jesus says we'll be ruling and reigning with him I want to have responsibilities there I want him to trust me there to say hey Jeff I want you to run this city and I want you to do brand new things. Develop these new ways of praising me. Develop, show, and show me what you've done in a, a hundred years. See what you guys can do in a hundred years. I, what an honor that would be for Jesus to tell you that. And I get to do it with him and for him. But can you imagine? It's just heartbreaking, man. To imagine that we could get there and we were just so caught up in this moment of life that we never took the time to honor Jesus and we miss on what we could have eternally with him? I mean, I plead with you and beg you, don't just raise your hand in church and think you've got some kind of credit card in your wallet that's gotta be scanned at the gates of heaven or a QR code or something. It's not the way it works. We have a God that loves us and died for us so we could have something beautiful through eternity. And you know, 2 John 8 says, watch out. you don't lose what you have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully I don't know what you see when I read that but if if it says that you may be rewarded fully to me that means it's possible to not be rewarded fully if that's even a possibility what am I doing with my spare time what am I doing all these moments of my life that I could be thinking about how I honor God you know it's kind of a weird analogy right here but if this was the globe, the Bible talks about New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. And when it talks about New Jerusalem, the dimensions of this city are crazy. It's the capital of the new heaven and new earth. It's 1,500 miles, the city, just the city. It's not the only city in the new earth, but it's the capital. So the capital city, the building that is the city, it's a building that's made out of like the most fine jasper walls, gold, precious stones that you could ever imagine, fully priceless. It's 1,500 miles, it's a square, 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500, and it's 1,500 miles high. So looking at the earth like this, if I had a Rubik's cube about this big, it would come up to about here. That's the city. It would take up half of the United States, just that city. It's a city that's half of the United States, a building that's half of the United States, and it's 380,000 stories tall. 20, 25 feet every floor. That's just God's capital city. What is going on in there, man? What has he got planned for me? I don't know, but I want a place there. 
I want to be faithful in this life so my God can look at me one day and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's worthy. It's a worthy cause to live for the King. It's time that we start believing this and taking it seriously. I'm not trying to scare people today, but I am trying to wake you up. Let's not live with this kind of thing. Going, well, I just don't really believe in that. You not believing in something doesn't make it go away. You might say, well, I don't believe in the IRS. <laughs> well, buddy, they believe in you. You're not allowed to just not believe in something and have it not affect you. You can drive toward the edge of the Grand Canyon and say, I don't believe anything's going to happen. And that's exactly what's happening when people don't believe that there are consequences for a life without Christ. So I, I invite you today to know Jesus, those that are watching online. I, I know that there are ways of viewing this message that, man, that's really harsh. But I, I also think there's a way of viewing this message of saying it's so compassionate. It's actually compassionate of God to separate his children from people that would continue to reject him through eternity. It's a compassionate God that would offer that. And he offers that to every one of us to know him forever. All we got to do is humble ourselves. That's, that's, I mean, all we got to do is not an easy thing to do because that's the last thing we want to do. But it's not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. That's what I'm inviting you to do today is to know Jesus. People watching online, people in the room, could you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm inviting you to know him. He wants to know you. I'm just going to ask you right now with no one looking around. If you need to put your faith in Jesus and make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand quickly above your head, really high above your head. A lot of confidence today, knowing that you need Jesus more than anyone. Humble yourself before God. Say, I'm sorry I've rejected you. I'm sorry I've lived my life pushing you out. I want to not only know you, but I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Those that are watching online, I believe you need to pray that prayer today. Many people. When I count to three, on three, God's moving today. One, the Bible says, now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe you're here for this reason. Three, hands up all over the room if that's you. Hands going up in every section. That's dozens of people in here today. Dozens of people responding to faith. I believe people are lifting their hands online as well. If that's you, could you just type in that chat, I'm lifting my hand or I need Jesus because God is moving in this room. And would you all repeat this prayer out loud and make it come from your heart. Mean it. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.